chapter 8. We're going to hop around a little bit tonight. Um, so before Lent, we uh, kind of went through a couple of weeks on just talking about discipleship and Jesus uh, using a, a yoke um, where two animals are yoked together. Um, his use of that uh, to help us understand our relationship with him and um, there's just, there's just a lot to, to that. And, um, I would love to recap a lot of it, but we would just be here even longer. And so, um, hopefully you remember some of those things. If you want to catch up, all of our sermons are podcasted and things. And so it's been a couple of weeks just talking about the, the two different sides of the yoke, how you would, uh, as a farmer, you would take two animals and, and basically tie them together under a beam. Uh, you would put an, an experienced animal on one side and an, and an inexperienced animal on the other. And it was a way of, of the, the, uh, the rookie learning from the veteran uh, by like physically binding them together. And so as, as the animals would, would go out and do the work, the veteran knows the voice of the master, knows all the commands, understands you know, how that works. And so the, uh, the rookie would learn uh, by physically being tied to the veteran. And so Jesus invites us in Matthew 11 to take his yoke upon us and learn from him. So we just kind of expanded upon that. And uh, one, of the, one of the things he tells us in uh, the Great Commission, well, there's a lot of focus put on the Great Commission as far as um, taking the gospel to the nations and taking the gospel across the street. You know, that idea of of conversion and people understanding the saving uh, grace of Jesus Christ. But he also says um, to, to make dis, to, he says to make disciples, uh, baptizing them, which is the conversion part of it, to place your faith in Christ. Uh, but then he says um, to teach them all the things that Jesus taught the disciples. You know, there's, there's kind of this, this forgotten part of the Great Commission. It's not only about evangelism, it's also about discipleship and teaching people the ways of Christ. And that yoke is, is the, it's a good way of us understanding that aspect of things as well. That when you're in a relationship with Jesus, in one sense, you are the, you're the rookie in the yoke and he's the seasoned veteran in the yoke. So he's basically saying like, Hey, let's be bound together. And I'm going to teach you about the kingdom. I'm going to teach you about life. I'm going to teach you about sin. I'm going to teach you about grace. I'm going to teach you about all these things by being connected and bound together. Um, so we learn directly from Jesus in that way. We also learn indirectly from, from Jesus through one another. So you're in the yoke with, with Christ, but also we get in the yoke together with, with one another relationally within the family. And so there are times when, when you are the, you're the veteran in a, in a relationship, in a friendship, in a community group, whatever. You have maybe walked with Christ longer than someone else has. Maybe you have experienced something that they are beginning to go through and that kind of stuff. And so discipleship kind of looks like that yoke as well, where you have, you have someone who's been through that kind of on the teacher veteran side of things. And you have someone who is, who is in the learner side of it as well. And so Jesus is the teacher in both situations, whether it, you're in the yoke with him directly or whether two of us in the family are yoked together, he's using our experiences to teach and learn. So this indirect and direct learning uh, is something that we're, we're, he's been teaching us about more and more over the last couple of weeks. So last week, uh, we kind of focused in on the learner side of the yoke and what it means to be, to be in that situation where you're learning from another person in the family. You're learning from someone who has walked with Christ longer than you, has walked through something uh, and has made it through to the other side, perhaps, or, or just whatever the case may be. Um, we kind of looked last week at what it takes to be an effective learner when you're in that side. And so tonight we're going to look at the other side. Exactly what does it mean when you find yourself across the table from someone who's looking at you with those big wide eyes saying, teach me everything you know about prayer, you know, and you're like, oh, 
nothing, you know, you feel like that sometimes, but that's how he's put the family together. We're, we're, we spend time in the learner side of the yoke and we spend time in the teacher side of the yoke. Um, and so he's kind of been shaping that in us a little bit. So as far as teaching goes, um, a lot of us kind of feel strange being, being in that role, you know, because there's all these misconceptions that we have to have it all figured out. You got to be perfect at life and perfect at following Christ and all these kind of things that before you can teach, you have, you have to have mastered everything about it. And, uh, the Bible doesn't say that there's no, there's nothing that indicates that that is what is required at all. Uh, he's put us together, um, in, in these relationships for us just to, to learn and to teach, um, and a lot of times we learn more about our mistakes and our shortcomings than we do from those who are perfect. And so um, to be on the teacher side of the yoke, though, kind of brings a little bit of pressure. Um, I, was, uh, I taught high school for like two years uh, between uh, when I went to LSU and when I went, when I went to seminary. And I remember vividly standing in front of students for the first time and them just looking at you like, all right, teach us something, you know. And I was the I was a, a high school band director, and the first time I taught, the first year I taught, I was the assistant director, which means that I got to teach like um, the like second band, the second jazz band, the strings class, the beginning piano class, you know, whatever. And so uh, I would I got in the strings class, and I have all these. There's like maybe a dozen string players there. Every one of them knows ten times more than I do about playing the strings already, like just by being there. And then they're looking to me and they're asking me all these questions about the viola. You know, I'm like, I don't even, I can't even spell that. You know, I don't even know what, why I'm here, here to teach you things. And there was so much pressure. And I just, I remember going home every day, just kind of overwhelmed with uh, the task at hand to have to um, somehow like inspire and teach and all this kind of stuff. These students who were there to learn. Um, when you bring that into a, a relationship with someone and it is Christ-centered, you know, there's a lot more riding on that relationship than me teaching a ninth grader how to play the viola, you know. There's a lot more that's there, a lot more at stake, because um, you don't want to tell them the wrong thing, you know, and what if you, what if you mess them up? What if, what if one day, like down the road, they're completely messed up all because of something that you said, you know, and you have all these things running through your mind, and you just don't want to mess anybody up, and so a lot of us tend to shy away from the teacher role and we like to be in the other side of the yoke. We're like, no, I just I got a lot to learn, long way to go, all that kind of stuff. And it's good to always be learning. But we have to understand that that God has us in a family where where we spend time on both sides of that yoke. As a learner, yes, but also as teachers with one another. So I want to spend a few minutes just looking at uh, what what it means to be in that role and how we can maybe be sharper uh, about that. Um, the there's something that I did a couple of years ago on the beach trip with the college students, um, kind of just put together a, a thing to kind of help make sense of stuff. And, and I, I was thinking through this, like, like in, the, in the times when you are approached and you're in the teacher side of the yoke, um, there's, there's kind of three broad categories of, of reasons why like, you kind of find yourself there. Sometimes you'll find yourself there. It's, it's very structured, very specific. You had, a, you had someone approach you and say, can we get coffee? I, wanna, I have a reason to sit down and talk with you, you know, for an hour or, you know, whatever. Then other times it's, it's a lot more general. You know, there's a, other times where you're teaching and people are learning and you're, you don't realize that you're teaching and learning. You're just shooting the breeze after community group, you know. Uh, that's how God works. There's all this stuff going on. But there's kind of three, kind of three broad categories that that'll kind of land you in in the teacher role. One of them is just pure it's purely relational. Where you have someone who's maybe younger than you or or younger in the faith than you and they just they just want to get to know you. They just want to be around you. Uh it's not it's not specific. There isn't a topic they want to talk about. They just want to be around you and just catch whatever overflow out of your life can come their way. Whatever random wisdom that they can catch. That's what that's that's what they want, and and it's it's just a pure relationship that just kind of happens naturally. I'm not going to talk about that one tonight. That's we talk about that kind of a lot in indirect ways. I want to focus on the other the other two. So that's the first one, is just a pure relationship. 
The second one um, is when someone comes to you and they want, um, they want wise counsel about a specific uh, decision or a problem that they're facing. Okay? Like they're like, I want to sit down with you uh, because I want, I want you to help me uh, get, gain some clarity on what to do about this. You know? So that's kind of the second one where you're, you're playing the role of, of counsel, wise counsel. The third one is, is when they, they want to learn about your life experience in a very specific area. You know? Maybe it has to do with work. Maybe it has to do with being a husband or a wife or being a parent. Um, maybe it's to learn about prayer. Maybe it's to learn about studying the scriptures. Maybe it's, you know, there's something there where they look at your life and they say, okay, you, um, there's some things about this area of your life that I admire, and I want to learn about that thing from you, okay? So the first one, just a review, the first one is just a pure relationship, which we're not going to talk about tonight. The second one is seeking wise counsel about a problem or a decision. And the third one um, is when they, they want to learn about something from your specific life experience that you have. Um, so going back to the, the thing from the beach trip a few years ago, I put together this pyramid type deal. I'm into pyramids, if you can't tell. Uh, I really like them because they are like, because they're proportional. And so this is really more of a triangle, but you just need to like pretend it's a pyramid because I know uh, I'll get someone that'll be like, that's right, technically a triangle. Okay, I get it. All right. Pretend it's a pyramid uh, or whatever. And I've used this before. Um, I think that, that this uh, is certainly imperfect, all right? But um, in, in playing the teacher role with uh, the college community group being in the learner side of the yoke, just really started to see a lot of uh, pressure and confusion about how to make decisions, you know? Like, how do you know what to do? How do you know, like, think to jump into the life of a college student, it can be everything from changing a major, picking a major, how do you break it to your parents that you're not going to be a lawyer, you know, like those kinds of things. It can be uh, about dating and like where that could possibly go. It could be financial things. It could be a lot of things with the Lord. It could be uh, conflict resolution. There's just so much that could be there. And so um, I was really just burdened that there was so much confusion uh, within that particular age group at that time uh, and, and really a lot of just perceived pressure to have to get it right. So uh, took a lot of just dialogue and prayer, and anyway, just kind of put this together. Um, that if you're thinking proportionally, if you th- are thinking of it like a pyramid, that the bottom, the foundation of it, just being your abiding life, like your, uh, your, like all the ways that you are connected to Christ as the vine, and you are the branch. So that's your prayer life. That's your life in the Word. Uh, that's it's all the all the dependent relational things that keep you connected to Jesus, that all of your decision, you, you know, decide is up at the top. Uh, it's all going to be based on what your abiding life has been like. So if your abiding life has been minimal or pathetic or just non-existent, then the whole thing's going to crumble and, you know, whatever. So, uh, so the abiding life being the, the base that you then build upon. So as you're abiding, to think about the kingdom of God— and what, what are, when you're trying to decide something, when you're trying to, to figure out what to do with your life or whatever, um, to think about what, is, what does this look like inside the kingdom of God versus outside the kingdom of God? And a lot of times that will, that will put you on a trajectory very easily when, when we think in those terms. Um, because there are th- decisions that we're, that we're like faced with that it's really clear when you start to think about it in those terms. You know, Vacuum sin out of this. Okay, that's, that's one way of thinking about the kingdom of God. On earth as it is in heaven, uh, what's it like in heaven? Take sin out of everything. What would it be like? And that kind of puts you on one path or the other. You discern that from your abiding life, which is why the base being abiding makes sense. So you're praying, you're in the word, you're depending on Christ. Then he's showing you what it looks like inside the kingdom. And then from there, what, is the, what does the Bible have to say about what you're talking about? Um, and sometimes, you know, I think we, we stress about this because it's a giant book, right? And it may not have a specific verse that's like, marry this girl, you know? Um, but there are other verses that can help you, you know, point in that direction, and there's this whole thing. And so um, a lot of times it's, you start asking questions with people as they're processing things, and you're like, what is, where have you been in the Scriptures? And they're like, I don't, why would I look to the Scriptures for that? So that needs to be a part of it because that's a part of why he's given us this. And so 
You're building from your abiding life, the kingdom, uh, the kingdom of God, what that looks like, what the scriptures have to say, what your motive is. Like, what's, what's driving you forward, you know? Like, what, why do you really want to know this? What are you really going for here? Uh, to test our motives is crucial. Uh, then from there, community. Um, notice community is not the biggest part of the pyramid. But a lot of times, for us when we're making decisions, it, it kind of tends to be the base, you know. You start talking a lot to your friends, you're asking for a lot of input, and we get very swayed and very bullied by the opinions of other people who may or may not be giving godly counsel. Um, so the role of community, it's in there. It's just not the most important. Um, but it needs to be in there, and it needs to be healthy. Uh, so yeah, you need to involve the people that God surrounded you with. And then you just have to decide. And sometimes that's the hardest thing. I, like we're just, We tread water for so long. You just got to pull the trigger at some point. Um, something like this, um, I believe, could be very helpful I don't think that this is necessarily perfect, and I don't think that you have to use this, but um, I want to kind of take this concept right here, and I want to build upon this as to maybe how we can feel more comfortable when we're in the role of teacher and how something like this could fit in, okay? So keep that in mind. Maybe you jotted it down. We'll kind of reference back to it. But let's look at, let's look at John chapter 8. Um, here's the thing about being in the teacher side of, of the yoke. Really good teachers, they lead in such a way that produces, um, that produces comprehension and process in their students. And not just the ability to like regurgitate facts. Okay? Good teachers, they want to develop a process and to where we're really able to comprehend and not just, do you know the right answer or not, okay? So you can, like for me, like you can, you can take a Spanish book and put it in front of me, and I can, I can read it, like I can phonetically like read it like that, right? But I can't really comprehend it, you know? So, so can I read Spanish? Yes and no, right? So one is more important than the other, Comprehension is significantly more important than just the ability to like sound out sound out the words. So good teachers want you to understand what like the content of what's going on. Bad teachers just want you to be able to just like pass the test and like whatever. They don't really, they don't really care if you're learning it or not. Um, when I was a high school teacher, I had a lot of weird experiences. Um, one of them, uh, I found myself uh, being the dance team sponsor at one point. Uh, as the band director, the color guard and the dance team were a part of the marching band kind of deal. And going into my second year, the guy who was the head director, he left and he said, hey, I got some bad news for you. You got to be the dance team sponsor next year because nobody else will do it. So I was like, oh, oh OK. And he's like, that means you got to go to camp. Uh, and I was like, hold up. There's no way that I'm going to dance camp. Um, and. And no offense to anyone who was a dancer, goes to dance camp, those kinds of things. Um, I was 24, so the last thing that I wanted to do was be a 24-year-old single dude at dance camp um, or whatever. And so uh, I kind of got out of that one, but here's one thing I didn't get out of. I had to go, I had to get all the outfits for dance camp. Because uh, apparently when you go to dance camp, every day you have to wear something and everyone has to coordinate and... I mean, we've all seen Bring It On. So we kind of get an idea of, like, what, what that means. And so uh, one thing I'll never forget is me and T. Allen Lusk, a lot, some of you know him, uh, we went to the Cortana Mall to go to 579 and pick up, like, 16 pairs of little shorts and 16 pairs of 16 little tank tops and all these things that had to match. And we're walking out with just bags and bags and bags of teenage girl clothing. And, of course, we run into someone that we went to high school with uh, who you just, you just notice when two guys in their 20s are carrying around bags and bags from a place called 579 or whatever. Uh, it, was, it was pretty terrible. And so um, I, I, I didn't really teach them anything about dancing. Like, I kind of I hired out people to do that because I wasn't going to teach that. I had other, other students who were there. And one of the things that would happen a lot in, like, when you're doing, working, like, with young musicians is like they 
there's like two options when you're like learning music. One of them is you're, you're sitting there, you're looking at a piece of paper that has all the notes and stuff on it, and you learn to read that. Like you look at it, and you're like, this is how this goes, and you play it accordingly. Uh, that's one way is to play what's on the page. The other way is for your teacher to just tell you how it goes. And so we would get to a spot in the music, and then, you know, someone was like, hey, how, how does this part right here go? And I would say, what does it say on the page? Play, play what's on the page. Sound out the rhythm. Figure out, there's all these techniques. But like, no, you, you need to figure that out. I'll help you figure it out, but I'm not going to just tell you. And they'll be like, can't you just sing it to me? Can't you just, like, just sing it to me? Just tell me how it goes. Um, it was so much easier for me to do that. Uh, that would have been the easy route. And there were plenty of times when I was like, okay, I'm, just, I'm tired of fighting you. Fine. I'm, I'll, just, I'll sing it to you. I'll clap it for you. I'll, whatever. Uh, I just need you to get it right so that we can move on. Um, but then there were other times when that, like, the, the way I'm wired up as a teacher really desired for them to understand and be able to read it themselves. They weren't, gonna, they weren't learning anything if I was just like, this is how it goes. All they were doing, they were just becoming a, a parrot or whatever the bird is. Was it a parrot that talks back to you? Yeah, okay. Uh, that's, all, that's all it ends up being. Um, they weren't learning anything about music if I just did that with them all the time. So as a teacher, I could either go the easy route or the difficult route. For me, what was better for them was always what was more work on me, was harder on me, was to to be more about the process and their comprehension than just about their ability to regurgitate what I was, what I was trying to teach them. And that's the, that's the thing. I could be a good teacher or I could be a bad teacher. And one of the things that, that we have to keep in mind is when you're sitting down with someone and it's a Jesus-centered conversation and they're there to learn from you and you're in the teacher side of the yoke, we cannot be in a place where we're just giving advice And we're just telling them what they need to do. And we're just saying, like, this is what you ought to do, or do this, do this, do this. We have to be in the mindset of a good teacher who who understands that the best thing for the learner is to get the process and to comprehend. In John chapter 8, we see one example, because Jesus was a master at this. I mean, he was just the best teacher. There were times when he just kind of told people, like, he just told them what was up. But most of the time... When faced with a problem or a question, when, when someone got into that kind of yoke where like Jesus was about to teach and they were about to learn, most of the time he responded with questions and stories. So here's, here's a one that you may be familiar with. Verse 1. Um, it says, They each went to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who'd been caught in adultery, and placing her in the, in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses commands us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote it with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. See, Jesus, he, he could have just said, don't throw a rock, or throw a rock. He had this opportunity to teach. And so rather than just, just give them an answer and move on, he said, no, this is an opportunity to deepen their understanding and to help their process and comprehension of what life is all about and what sin is all about and what grace is all about and what the kingdom is all about. This is a great teacher moment for Jesus. And something we need to learn about, that when you're in the role of teacher with someone, you have to consider what's best for the learner. And most of the time, I would say the vast majority of the time, it's going to be to dig into the process and not just tell them what to do. To help their comprehension 
not just their ability to regurgitate and just go out and do whatever. So if we go back to that pyramid, once you have an idea of what the problem is, okay, so let's, remember I said there were kind of three environments. The first one is just a relationship. The second one, let's, let's focus on the second one for a second. If you're sitting down with someone and they're coming to you for wise counsel about how to make a decision or deal with a problem, um, once you have an, an understanding of what's going on and you're in the teacher role, maybe something like this pyramid would be helpful. So instead of just saying like, well, this is what you need to do. You need to say this and you need to do this and do this. Maybe your, maybe your lead question is, okay, well, tell me, tell me how you've been praying about this. Because you're thinking, okay, I want to know how, how solid is this pyramid, all right? How is the base, is it really, really, is it dense and like full of like rebar and all the things that need, not that the pyramids have rebar, but you know what I mean. Like is it, is it solid or is it, is it built on something that's real shifty? So tell me, how, how have you been, when you have prayed about it, what, is, what have you been sensing? What's your abiding life been, been like lately? How dependent have you been? He's the vine, you're the branch. Are you a healthy branch? Are you... Are you detaching, uh, you know, whatever? So you begin by asking those kinds of questions because that's going to give you a ton of insight as a teacher as to what they need to learn. Um, when, I was, was, when I was a band director, if I would tell, if a student would say, how does this go? And I would say, well, well I don't know, like clap the rhythm or sing it out or whatever. They would just, by the way they looked at you in response, you could tell if they had a clue what, what to do or not, you know? They just stared blankly, blankly at you. It's like they're, they're not equipped to know how to do that. So in that case, I would respond one way. If it was a student that I knew was really sharp, they were just being lazy, then I would deal with them differently. And so when you're sitting down with someone and you begin to ask about abiding, you can tell if they start kind of crawfishing a little bit and him hauling around, and you can tell they haven't been praying, that they haven't turned to Jesus, that they've run straight to a person instead of to uh, their vine, then... You don't need to go any further. You need to say, okay, I can kind of tell you really haven't been praying about this. So let's talk about why. Why haven't you been praying? Because maybe they don't know how to pray. Maybe they aren't sure what, what to ask. Maybe prayer is not a discipline for them. Um, or maybe they've just been being lazy. Or maybe they've been praying about it, but they don't like what God's saying in return. And so, you know, whatever. So in a lot of ways, you may never leave that, the base of that pyramid, you may never venture out of their, that abiding talk. If you want to be a good teacher, then that's where you begin. You ask good questions, and you dig deeply into, into that, and you want to help shape that relationship with Jesus in them first. The decision, that'll come, that's fine, but Jesus is the one that's going to direct their path, not you. So to be a good teacher, go like begin with the right base. Then to talk about the kingdom, kind of like I said earlier, you can just simply ask, like, okay, inside the kingdom of God, what is, what is this problem? What is this situation? What is this decision? What, what do we know? What does this look like? Or outside the kingdom of God, what does this look like? Now, they may look at you and be like, okay, I have no idea what the kingdom of God is. And in that case, then you become a teacher about the kingdom of God, and you spend time there because you're cultivating something in them. They're important to you. This is a discipleship moment. So it's really now, it's not, about, it's not about the decision anymore. It's about the fact that they've come to you and they, they don't have the depth of relationship with Jesus that they need. And God has put you together for you to teach them some of these things. And so maybe what you do is maybe you hit pause and you set up another time to meet and you go home and you kind of brush up on your understanding of kingdom stuff. Because everybody, everybody that's ever taught anything, especially classroom teachers, know that there are times when when you like leave, you leave school, you go home, rest a little bit, and you start like trying to figure out what in the world you're going to do the next day because you have forgotten a lot. When I was teaching that strings class, my best friend was that strings method book that I got in college, and I tore that sucker apart having to relearn stuff about the viola, and it drove me crazy. But that's what I was there to do was to teach them that. And so um, maybe that's what, what happens. But um, as you're digging into kingdom stuff, um, that is going to be an important distinction to make. Um, if their abiding life has been solid and the kingdom stuff is in place, you start talking about the Bible. Uh, have, you, have you interacted with the scriptures at all? Or is there a passage that God's been using to speak to you about this? Is there, 
Is there something that you're memorizing? Is there something that, that is being effective in sharpening you and giving you discernment or not? And if they said that there is, then spend time talking about that. That's awesome. If there isn't, then maybe that becomes a part of, of the teacher-student journey from then on. It's like, well, let's, let's start to search the scriptures together and see what God may have to say about this through his word. Um, you understand what, see, see what I'm getting at? At no point have you given advice yet. You're just asking questions and helping them process, and you're, um, you're, you're, playing, you're playing the role that you're supposed to play. You're not playing the role of Holy Spirit, which is to, like, to direct and empower. You're playing the role of teacher, which, which is a, one of cultivation and growth. Um, let's say all those, th- those things are good. You get to motive. A lot of times this is absent from, from a lot of our dialogue with each other. And some of it is because most people aren't going to be honest about their motive. But if you've been faithful to talk deeply about abiding and the kingdom and the scriptures, when it gets to motive, like, they're, they're broken, you know? Like, they're like, okay, I'm just, I'm being really, really greedy. I want to take this, this particular job because I'm going to make more money, you know? Or I want to do this because of this. Like, figure out what's, what's going on and what's driving there. Um, a lot of times, uh, when, when giving wise counsel, this is kind of ignored, and it really plays a very important role in there. And so, asking good, good, good questions about motive. We see it with Jesus uh, it's just it's something that's just very a very important thing as a teacher. Uh, when you get to community, just like, okay, so what are your who have you brought in on this? One of the things that's super frustrating is uh, when someone comes to you for wise counsel and they haven't told a soul on the planet except for you. Now your ego can be real inflated by that. As a teacher, you can be like, oh well, I'm the most trusted person on earth to you. It's like, no, that's, that's a negative thing. If someone, if you're the only person they've told, then you but okay, right away, we're going we're gonna to make a short list of people that you trust that you're going to have conversations with from here on out. There have to be other people in, like brought into something. Um, you can't be the only one to carry that with them. Um, if, if you're talking about community and, and they're like, oh, no, you, no, I have several people involved, and you start asking questions to determine, has that involvement been healthy? You know, did you just go to a bunch of yes men in your life who are just going to like be a cheerleader for you and just like affirm everything that you do regardless uh, to just kind of empower you? Or do you have people around you who are they're going to hold your feet to the fire about stuff? Do you have people who will look you in the the eye and tell you what you need to hear? Those kinds of things. Um, So you're listening for healthy community involvement or unhealthy community involvement. Um, God's given us to a family on on purpose, but that doesn't always look the way that it needs to look. And so as a teacher, let's say you're working your way through this and things are really in a good spot and you get to the decide point and there may be a time where you're like, look, everything here, your whole process seems to be really, really solid. Why are you so scared to commit, to pull the trigger on this, to have this conversation, to do this or whatever it is? Um, maybe that's a really good thing for them to hear from you. Maybe it's that last final push that, that they need. Uh, maybe, they just need. Maybe they just need someone to say, hey, I've listened thoroughly to your process, and you sound like you're in a really great spot. Um, you should be really confident about this or whatever. See, something like this, or something like, uh, like you could maybe write this down, like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, um, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, maybe you take that passage of Scripture and say, okay, let's, let's talk about the role faith is playing in this. And it says, don't lean on your own understanding. So then maybe you talk for a while about uh, like being self-reliant and like some of those kind of things. Then it says, acknowledge him in all your ways. And so you talk about, tell me the ways that you're bringing Christ into this and your abiding life and those kind of things. And the last part of the verse says, and he'll make your path straight. You know, those are processing types of passages. Those are, these are ways that we can teach. This is going to help us as people in a teaching role get away from just giving advice and speaking out of our own opinion and giving very worldly wisdom sometimes and, and, and at times even speaking from our own woundedness, which is really dangerous as a teacher. You don't want to sit down with someone and just speak out of your own bitterness and all your mistakes and the unhealed parts of your heart and mind uh, that you've been trying to ignore and then just unload on some student who's just really trying to do the right thing. Um, we want to be the good kinds of teachers. We want to ask questions. We want to help with process and, 
comprehension and understanding. And so we see it with Christ, and that's, that's the role that we need to play. And for me, I, I think that should take a lot of the pressure off, that you're not there to tell them what to do next. You're there to let God use you in their process and maybe work through something like this that helps them grow deeper with him and to be able to hear his voice more clearly and him showing him, showing that person what their next step might be. All right. So that's the second, the, the second of the situations where you're sitting down with someone who wants wise counsel about a problem or a decision. The third thing is someone who just wants to learn from your life experience. Uh, turn over to Philippians chapter 4. When someone is wanting to learn from your life experience, they're wanting to grow, they're wanting to mature, they're, they look at your life, something about your life, and they, there's some sort of admiration or whatever, and they come to you and they're, they're like, hey, uh, you know, maybe they're about to get married, and they're like, hey, you seem like a really stellar spouse, uh, can I sit down and learn more about that? Or maybe like maybe someone is um, going into engineering and you're an engineer. Or you know it could be a, a number of different things. Um, when you get into that situation and they want to just learn from your experience, that can be a really tricky thing because not all of us, not all of our experiences have been really solid and good. You know, if someone comes comes to you and they're like, "Hey, you're an, you're an awesome husband. How'd you get to be that way?" You might, your answer might be like, well, uh, for the first 12 years, I was a terrible husband. That's how I learned to be a good husband, you know. So you have to be really careful when you are in that role of teacher uh, that, that you have the right approach and that your mindset is, is correct. And it's re- very much connected to what we were just talking about, that your desire is to, is to help them learn and grow in their process and and not just kind of rattle off a bunch of stuff. But um, you went to Philippians 4. Let me read you something from uh, Hebrews 4. We see this in Jesus as well as a teacher. Um, in how, how from his experiences, how he blesses us as learners. Okay, um, This is verse 14. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And we talk about this a lot here at the ring, that that Jesus has literally been through everything that we experience. That there may be some like, you know, cultural timeline details that are a little bit different. When you get down to the root problem that we're all facing, he's been in that trench before. And he made it through without sinning. And he's the only one who knows how to make it through. And so Jesus has all these life experiences just piled up while he lived here on earth. You know, 30-something years of, of um, seeing exactly what we go through and experiencing that and dealing with that in like flesh and bone just like us. And he knows what it's like to deny himself and to take up his cross every single day and to follow the will of the Father. And so um, in doing that, what, is, what does he do with that? that ne- the next verse. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That Jesus, he didn't just go through all that stuff and then he just checked out. That now he's there and he's saying, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from my experiences. Learn from the fact that I've been in that trench and I know what it takes. And I know what self-denial looks like. And I know what obedience to the Father, no matter what it costs, it looks like. I get it. And I want to teach you. We're bound together like a vine and a branch. Learn from me. So Jesus shares his life with us. That he's there interceding and praying and sending the Holy Spirit to guide us and strengthen us. That that's what he's doing. And so when you and I are in the role of teacher, it's, it's incarnational in that same way. That as you sit across the, the coffee table from someone, or as you're hanging out after community group, or whatever, the, whatever it looks like, that when you're in the role of teacher, we're sharing our lives and sharing our experiences in a way that, that is is helping and bringing grace and mercy to those who are, who are 
on the learner side of the yoke. That we don't just keep that to ourselves, that the, the baggage that we have, the stuff that we've been through, whatever it may look like, we don't just like pin that all up and say, this isn't for you. That, that when God says, share this with this person, you share your life with them. It doesn't mean that you have to be, have like a, a million best friends and be 100% transparent with everybody all the time because everybody isn't responsible with that kind of transparency. But when God says, get in the yoke with that person and share your life, that's a part of how we were made in his image to do the same thing with one another. You went to Philippians chapter 4. We see Paul doing the same thing. This is another passage that we looked at um, in community groups not too long ago. Uh, that he's writing, look at verse 10. It says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to, to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He's sharing with this church in this letter. He's like, look, I've been through, I've been through some stuff, man. Let me tell you what I've learned. Let me share from the highs and the lows. I've learned something very, that you just really need to know that through Christ, I, I, I can get through anything. The best and the worst of life. So Jesus shares his life. Paul shares his life. You and I, when we're in that teacher side of the yoke, we're doing the same thing with each other. We're incarnational. We're sharing our experiences. And so if we go back to the pyramid, maybe this pyramid would also come, come like be useful in that kind of thing. So someone comes to you and they're like, hey, how did you get to be a prayer warrior? How did you get to be good at this or like whatever? Maybe you're like, hey, let me draw this pyramid out. Let me walk you through it. Let me tell you. Let me tell you what was awesome and terrible at each stage of all this. So maybe you go back to abiding. Maybe your abiding life was incredible. Maybe it was horrible. You shared that experience with them. You say, yeah, I didn't pray. I didn't pray about anything ever until I got to be this at this point. And that's when things really began to click because that empowerment came in. So you're not just regurgitating facts to the learner. You're sharing your experience, and you're helping make them better. You're bringing them mercy and grace in their time of need. Um, maybe you talk about the kingdom and how that all worked out. Maybe you talk about scriptures that were meaningful to you. Or maybe you left the Bible completely out of your whole process, and you need to be honest about that. Um, maybe you talk about your motives and how you learned to test those things. Maybe you talked about community and the people that, how people were awesome and how people were terrible and how the opinions of others like messed with your mind and all that kind of stuff. Maybe you talk about de- deciding and what that was like for you. Uh, what, find something that's going to do more, um, more than, than just say, like, well, these are the facts about what I went through, and this is what it was like, and this is how I got here. You share, share it all. Let them, learn, let them learn from your mistakes. Let them learn from victories. Let them learn that, that through Christ, he strengthened you in all of those things. Um, share your life with them. We talked about this, this verse in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. Uh, we talked about it in prayer before the service began. That they saying to the, to the Thessalonians, he's like, he's like, look, you became so dear to us that we, we, were, we didn't just share the gospel, we shared our lives. We shared deeply with you. We didn't just, sh- just share like parts of us. We shared all of us because you were so valuable to us. Good teachers love their students. Now, you may be in, in a yoke with someone that's a complete stranger to you. So before you go sit down with them, you, maybe you need to start praying that God would help you to love them. Love them enough to share your life with them. May they become dear to you. That as you work through your experiences with something and you're sharing how you got to, the, to get to this point, you would do so out of a desire for them to be better than you. Those are really, I think, some of the best teachers who their real goal is to replace themselves, you know, to get to where, like, they're, they're better than you are as the teacher. So that's our, that's our heart. That's, what, that's what's letting us say yes to being a learner or a teacher. If that's what we're going for, it's like, I just, I want to grow. I want to learn I want to be like Jesus in every possible way. And, and if, if that's really what's driving us and that's what we want, 
We're going to be effective in both sides of that yoke. It's going to bring that humility and teachability and, and healthy process that we talked about last week as a, as a learner. It's going to put us in a place where we're at, our, our desire is to help cultivate growth and depth and a deeper love for Jesus when we're a teacher. It's going to make that yoke, even though it's an instrument of work, it's an instrument of relationship. And when we're being good stewards of both, si- both sides of that yoke, you know what, what happens over time is we, we s- stop looking like an organization. And we start looking like a family. Now, I know God's made us family. All right? I, I, I get that. But I think it's, it's easy for churches just to kind of feel like, oh, it's just a bunch of people under a roof. Instead of like, no, this is a family that I'm, I'm a part of. Like, there are people that teach me and people that learn from me, and I'm known, and I know other people, and uh, that's the beauty of how the body of Christ is a body in that way. And so I believe that God has been pushing us to, to go more deeply in both sides of that yoke, that we would have the humility to seek out those who have walked with him longer that we can learn from, and we have the humility to step into the role of teacher and say, let me share everything I've been through. Let me, let me listen to your process. There's humility on both sides. Because on both sides, you know that Jesus is the only one doing this among us. So I talked uh, last week and said that this week, um, we're going to implement something new. And uh, it's not going to happen today, uh, just for a number of reasons. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to send an email out to the big list this week, and there's going to be a link on the email. And there is a, uh, a, a form it's going to take you to, and it's going to have a bunch of boxes on it of all these things, and it'll make sense, hopefully, when you see it. But here's, what, here's what's going to happen. Um, if It's going to have just tons and tons of options of things that you have experienced. Uh, some of the categories will be things you, that you've walked through firsthand, like, like I have been through this. And then it may, the next question may have, like, check every box of something that, where you've walked with someone else very closely through it. Um, and some of them are, are just about you and that kind of stuff. Um, we're, we're trying to harvest all the experiences in our, in our family for people who are, say, who are willing to say, I've been on the learner side. Like, life has put me in the learning side through all these kinds of things. Um, I'm willing to be the teacher to someone else who's walking through this right now. Um, so if, if, you are, if you're walking into, like, in, into something like I'll pick... I'll say like depression. Let's say that, that you've been just really kind of feeling stirred up about that and, and you, you kind of, you're like, I just need to talk to someone. So you, you email the staff and, this, and you're like, hey, uh, is there anybody in the church that's kind of been down this road that I could talk to? So we pull up this spreadsheet because when you fill out and you check out all these boxes and you hit enter, it dumps it into the spreadsheet that we have. So we pull up on the spreadsheet. Okay, these are nine people who all check that box. And by checking that box, you're saying, I'm willing to sit down with someone and just share my story. I'm willing to listen to their process. I'm willing to share my process. I'm willing to have that conversation. And then we just kind of like pair people up based on those experiences. So this link is going to, I believe, help us put some yokes together connect some teachers and some learners experientially. And as life unfolds, you're gonna, there are things you're going to come up against. And, and I, I, really, I, have, I have really high hopes for this, that God's going to use this to, to help us cultivate a very natural culture of teaching and learning from each other. Um, so I told you last week to be thinking about that. And so when this email goes out this week, you're going to see all these things. And uh, you need to know, like, it's not going to be this public list. We're not going like, to like, post up everything on the walls of, like, who check what boxes or whatever. This will just be a staff thing, all right? Because there will be some personal things on there that you may not want everybody to know about. And that's, if you trust Meg and I, then that's, those are the only ones that will see it. Um, but by, by doing that, you're saying, I'm willing to teach. I'm willing to, to have that conversation, help someone learn from this. And so I believe God's at work, and I think, I think this is going to be a really good thing among us. So it really all comes down to this, this other kind of reality, though, like to, to kind of close and bring some closure to it with this, to think about how Jesus, Jesus is really the one teaching the whole time. He's teaching you directly, and he's also teaching you indirectly through other people, that he has that kind of care for you to share from his own experiences, to form us into a family in this way, 
the opportunity to teach and to learn from each other, and he's the one driving the whole thing. Like he's the one putting everything together. It's tremendous care and love from our Savior, from our shepherd, that because of who our shepherd is, we shall not want. Leading us to green pastures and still waters and quieting our souls. And though we walk through the worst that life has to offer, we won't fear evil because he's with us. His strength and his faithfulness, they comfort us. I mean, it's just, just a beautiful thing. So let me pray for us. We're going to sing a little bit in response. Let's stand together. I've been talking for a long time, so you know, stretch your legs. Jesus, I am grateful um, to be a part of a church family that, um, that is open to your leadership. that really desires to see you take us forward down the path of righteousness like corporately as well as individually. A church that really believes that you're up to something and that, that you are the head of this church and not, a, not an elder and not a staff member and not a whatever. And I'm grateful to know that you're shepherding us as a bunch of sheep. And there are times when we tend to look to our own path and all this kind of stuff, and we have these struggles and these difficulties, and I'm thankful for your faithfulness to us. That as we are yoked together with you, that you don't expect us to to just dig deep and try harder, but just to submit to a process of shaping and molding, one of sanctification and maturing that is, it's progressive, it's moving forward, and even if that seems to be a lot slower than we want, um, we're in your hands, and I'm grateful for that. Thank you for being a faithful and patient teacher for us. And for your goodness and your grace that uh, just without end. And the more we learn about your care and what life is like in the yoke with you, the more we'll duplicate that with one another. So I love how everything really comes down to you. And as we sing, I pray, like I usually do, just as some things would continue to come alive in us as we lift your name.